watch cartoons We'll take a look back at where we've been So let's hop into our time machine Hello and welcome to another episode of Cartoon Time Machine I'm Scarlett I'm Katie we're your animates and today we're gonna we're gonna take it back in time a little bit we're gonna go back deep into the into the earliest days of our childhood and reminisce on some of the wonderful uh books and picture books we used to read back then and then look further into the future and think about what it would be like if they were made into animated adaptations uh, obviously, children's books uh, have had, you know, are a great source for uh, for animated adaptation. Um, we for one that very easily comes to mind for me. One of my favorite books growing up as a kid uh, was Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, and that was made into two uh, very sweet animated films. Um, but there's there's so much more. There's there's so many more things. Uh, that can be done. Uh, one thing that's that's top of mind for me right now uh, is the upcoming Cartoon Saloon uh, version of uh, My Father's Dragon, which I think we mentioned while we were talking about Wolf Walkers and praising to high heavens the work of Cartoon Saloon, the Irish animation company that made those amazing movies again, like Wolf Walkers or Secret of Kells or uh, Song of the Sea, which we have definitely uh, uh talked about frequently on this show um so looking forward to seeing that uh katie any any uh big strong memories from your childhood of favorite books that you would like to see as an adaptation all right this is an attack on our generation in particular it's the fact that oh, i don't no. think uh one of the most when i need to reread them because i know they're horrific when we look at them now uh the warrior cats books I don't think they ever got an official adaptation. And I just want to see that. <laughs> that is such a shame. Like that, that was such a absolute phenomenon. I don't know why that never, I mean, I guess my guess is when it was at the height of its popularity, the animation was not quite there yet for like a live action uh, version with like, like, like CGI cats. Um, and maybe had it come out a little bit earlier it would have been like I feel like when Don Bluth was in his heyday he would have made a fantastic Warrior Cats uh adaptation um I was not really a Warrior Cats kid I knew people who were um and from what little I know about it, I feel like it shares a lot of similarities with a book that I did read which was then made into a Don Bluth movie uh Wait, Mrs. Frisbee um, and Mim. did they yes. get an animated series actually briefly did I miss this? Did, I might have been they? out of the prime already. Was there a, I mean, I feel like, like, it could be done in the Thundercat style. Did they get one? Oh my god, I think they got one, and I just would have been out of the thing at that point. I thought it was when, all when was it? When was it? It had four seasons from 2009 to 2012, which probably would have been just after. We would have been in, like, series five at that point, I want to say. It had 12 seasons once it got revived. Oh my God. Wow. Okay. So oh, wait, I wait, suppose wait, wait. not a crime against our generation, just a crime against our uh, lack of knowledge about this particular thing. <laughs> nope. Never mind. It was all a spoof. 
I, it's incredible. You're taking me on such a roller coaster right now, Katie. I just, okay, this is wild of a read. It was, I had to get further into the thing. Basically, there was one fan, like a couple fans added it to the IMD, onto IMDb. What? It was never officially produced. What? Wait, there's a standing IMDb? Man, the Warrior Cat fandom is really something else. Wow. I mean, I'm that so I confused. Think, Unless it's real and I'm just crazy. If nothing else, I feel like that shows that it deserves an adaptation just by virtue of the number of people who were willing to go along with that. Oh my wow. God, this is wild. Huh. Ah. I'm so, oh, I'm on a roller coaster ride right now. Well, well, Reddit, what? Reddit, tell me what's happening. This is. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> IMDb, they had Guy Fieri playing Longtail. Now, do I remember who Longtail was? No. Do I like I the mean, concept of Guy Fieri playing a feral cat? Actually, kind of. I mean, Guy Fieri is kind of a feral cat of a human being, like in the best way possible. Um, so I, I hope so. Oh, oh, oh if, okay. The final update, there's never been a show. There's been a lot of animated fan series and also apparently the fandom is crazy. Um, there was well, a deal, yes. is or was a deal with Alibaba um, pictures for a movie but at least according to this one person on Reddit, and I did see this on their official website, um, but I don't know if this is true. It would be live action with CGI, to which I go, Ugh. I I think that's always the problem is like all these like well, live action and CGI. Um, although, yeah, I mean, it's it's like I'm, I'm thinking now about another childhood classic that I loved deeply as a child. Um, which was the house on East 88th Street and the uh, and and Lyle Lyle Crocodile and that whole series and now it is an upcoming live action CGI monstrosity hybrid starring Shawn Mendes and I am so mad every time I see that that trailer because like I, did, Katie did you ever read Lyle as a as a kid? No. It was just a very charming book series. Like, I feel like it had very similar energy to like Paddington, um, like like a, a New York version of Paddington, shall we say, where like a family uh, discovers or takes in a wild animal with genteel mannerisms and the outside world doesn't understand necessarily the relationship that this crocodile has with the family, but they love each other. And it's a very sweet kind of story with a, the only real difference is that unlike Paddington Bear, Lyle the crocodile doesn't talk, which I think endears him even more and makes me more frustrated whenever I see him just being Sean Mendez. That's, oh God, that's frustrating. But you know, I should not pass judgment on a film I have not seen. I mean, I will, but I should not. Um, but yeah, I feel like a lot of these that we'll mention, if they were to get modern adaptations, I feel like if those adaptations were movies, they would be weird hybrid live action CG, which has like almost never looked good. 
Oh, this, this, if Warrior Cats does get a movie, it's going to be bad Lion King live action. Ooh, I you're totally so see that. Right. But Scarlett, here's your, your guessing game of the day. I just, uh, not going to lie, ignored a lot of what you were saying to count out the number of total books released in the Warrior series. So only the cats, mind you. They also did a dog and a polar bear series, at least. Oh my God. How many books do you think are in the cat series alone? 100. They got so close. They have 99 books. They should just write more. Bellas, guides, and mangas. 99. 99, kids. I would do one more. Why would you ever stop at 99 anything? Like, I don't know. And I got, even if you had eaten 99 pieces of pizza and were like about to die of a cheese overdose, you should still eat the hundred slice just to be like, I did it and then die. <laughs> and I got in, I read too many of these, like out of the 99, I've definitely read 30% at least 30, That's... between 30 and 50. That's so many. Oh. And do you think that they're worthy of, of an adaptation? Not in truth, but I think it would be funny. I mean, it seems to me that that's like, that's calling out for a TV show more than anything. When you have 99 books, I feel like the problem would be any studio trying to like make a definitive movie out of it. Whereas it feels like that should be a like serialized, like Netflix animated series, probably with 2D animation. Um, Yeah. I, I, I feel like that would be the best place, again, having no knowledge of warriors so correct me if I'm wrong but it seems like kind of the sprawling epic world building of it would lend itself nicely to a, it's a the Tolkien of cats it's the Tolkien of cats oh my god <laughs> I've never hated anything I've said more in my life Tolkien I'm trying to make it I'm trying to make it work it's not gonna work uh we'll be selling merch We'll be selling merch. Oh God! Please don't. Oh God! This whole keen, this whole keen cats. Um, that almost like sounds like that should be like a spinoff of the Berenstein Bears, the Tolkien cats. It's actually somehow a spinoff of um the theater production cats. Oh my God! No, no, no! I love it. Someone make it happen. Someone make it happen. I'm sure there is someone out there who has done like a Warrior Cats fan and fan animatic or fanimatic, I guess, um, where uh, they like have like the characters of the Warrior Cats singing the songs from the musical Cats. I'm sure that exists. As we've discovered, the Warrior Cat fandom goes deep on the internet. Um, but one uh, speaking speaking of of uh, adaptations to TV series. Um, one of my favorite books as a kid, I'm now segueing completely Katie from Warrior Cats because we've taken too much time talking Warrior Cats. Um, but one of my favorite, uh, uh, books as a kid was the Phantom Tollbooth and it did get an adaptation in the 1970s, which was sort of a live action animated hybrid. It was one of those like bookend Wizard of Oz type things where like you start out in the live action world and when you go into your fantasy world, it suddenly becomes uh, all animated. I think that was a clever way of doing it. Um, But I think that for anyone who's read The Phantom Tollbooth, um, first of all, just a classic of children's literature. Katie, have you read The Phantom Tollbooth? No. (laughs) What are you rummaging through? my childhood books to come up with my next books 
Um, you don't have props on hand? For, uh, um, no, I, I, prepared, sound? I prepared in advance, so I didn't need to have props. Our audience knows I am good at one thing. I thought it was not preparing in advance. <laughs> that is true. That is true. And yet you usually come up with very compelling things to discuss anyway. Um, Don't worry, I'll turn one of these into a CW animation somehow, probably. God, why are you putting that out in the universe? Uh, anyway, oh, yeah. for, those of you, for those of you who have not read The Phantom Toll Booth or it's been a very long time, uh, first of all, you should because it holds up. It's great. Um, it's kind of like if Alice went to Wonderland, but Wonderland was like, an educational field trip instead of like a magical drug trip um it basically it's it's about, i i know that that's what it is it's every every little land that this little boy milo goes through is sort of themed on either like the english language or mathematics or philosophical concepts um and as a result it's supremely episodic and i feel like the best way to uh adapt something that is so episodic um even there is an overarching quest he has to uh rescue the princesses from the tower the princesses of reason and rhyme um boy i love this story it's so charming there's so so many little things like that um he has he has a pet dog uh it's not really his pet it's like his companion who's a watchdog who is just a really big dog that is also a giant watch it's it's delightful i love um, that he he's a good friend he's a very good friend um and they go around this little teeny tiny car and they uh drive through the the magical landscape uh god i'm forgetting what the name of the country is what is the name of the country um that he goes into um it's uh the the kingdom of wisdom i think is what the name is um but there's but there's all these little lands within the kingdom there's like the the world of uh there, there's like the, the math world like I said there's like the English world where they teach you about like idioms uh there's the island of conclusions which you can only reach by jumping there because you you jump to conclusions it's like it's a really punny book like it's it's great for little kids because it teaches you those little idioms um that you don't really necessarily appreciate quite as much until you're an adult um but I think this would be a very good uh, like a, again, like a Netflix type, uh, you know, 10 episode, 20 minutes each, um, just, you know, little, little snippets of his adventures, uh, you know, get interacting with lots of different people. Um, and I think it, it could, it could be skew very young. Uh, I read it when I was, I want to say like in first grade or no, actually, I think it was read to me first. So or maybe around that time or a little earlier, I'm not totally sure I could read the first time I had heard the story. Um, so I think like, yeah, I think if you skew it young, I mean, I can already see like them attempting to like age it up and like making it cool and hip for adults, but that's just not the kind of story it is, you know, like there's certain stories that like don't need weird adult in jokes. Um, and now I'm sure I'm going to like look back at Phantom Tollbooth, the book and find that there it was full of little adult in jokes, but I, I don't, I don't really think so. I think the kind of in jokes it had were things like jumping to conclusions um or you know like the little little puns um like for for example at one point milo is is complaining about uh uh how you know how he's not really doing anything he's just killing time and his, his talk his watchdog is like no why would you kill time i'm time and it's just a very very sweet little moment with the two of them um 
So I, I think that would be the sort of thing that, you know, we, we would be nice to see um, just a, a very innocent childlike adaptation. Um, I could, I could see that, that working. Katie, have you gone enough through your childhood to have found your next uh, idea? I have, because I dug out two books from a series I read a lot of uh, as a child that I think could make a good little series in some way. I think kind of in a, it's kind of in a Carmen Sandiego kind of fashion in some ways, or like our podcast actually kind of where we just jump between locations and things. Are you about to say um, what I think you're about to say? Is that the Magic Tree the House? Tree house. Yes. Oh, how have they not? Have they already done that? They no. I mean, there is one. So there's two adaptations in terms of things. One is a is a anime film that oh. was developed. Uh, and otherwise they've actually adapted it into kids theater interesting um but these are also still being published audience as really? they're still going strong in 2022 oh my god i can see that wow Wait, i have this one called Blizzard of the blue moon probably because i i like blue moon ice cream it's very remember- glittery <laughs> I remember my favorite one when I was younger was the one uh, where they go to the Titanic and like it ends with like a weird bit of like existentialism from our two main characters who are like, what, like 10 and eight, like they're mm-hmm. real little, these those little brother and sister whose names I now forget. Um, but they like managed to get two third class passengers onto lifeboats who would have otherwise died. And they just sort of like are there for a moment being like, we can leave whenever we want but we only managed to save two lives and there's all these other children who are still going to die on this ship and that's really sad and it just sort of ends on that very somber note um that like they acknowledge like we've saved two people who otherwise would be dead but like this is still a horrifying tragedy um they didn't always they didn't really shy away from that stuff like i feel like like there was the pompeii one they were in like the San Francisco earthquake at one point, like they went to like fun, happy places like Camelot and like ancient Egypt, but like, well, I guess ancient Egypt is that fun, I guess they, they fought mummies. Um, but, uh, but like it's, so, so sometimes they would like actually acknowledge some real world horrors. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say there is no Holocaust book of Magic Treehouse, right? Like that feels like a step too far. Like they've gone to basically every other tragedy in human history, but I feel like that is too far. That would be too far. Um, But I do think what we're saying here is it could make a great historical version of kind of like Magic School Bus, you know? Yeah, I think I Where think you're so. jumping to locations and some magical means and getting a educational program out of it that still is having fun and an adventure. And they they did have like arcs, as I recall. Like there was a certainly I what I remember there was a whole one uh with with Morgan Le Fay, who is surprisingly good in this version. I feel like she's almost always portrayed as a villain because strong women in history usually are uh not that she's real I'm pretty sure she's a complete fabrication just like King Arthur um 
but I, I I feel like there could be a really fun you know like a standard 22 episode season with like little bits of serialization sprinkled in that we know is like so popular now whether in the streaming world or in just regular linear television and even for kids they really want that serialization so I feel like yeah I feel like you could get really strong episodes each focused on different location different educational topic different period of history um, you can teach kids a lot while also still having that that fantasy element of of magic and mystery and wonder and ooh, what's what's the grander scale of this? Um, they they did four book arcs for everything. Every arc is four books. That's a good amount. That's like a really quick thing. Like that that doesn't that that doesn't take a whole lot of time. And uh, apparently, released. Uh, they released research guides, was what they were originally called, or fact trackers that were nonfiction companions to all the fiction books. So it was, it was made to be a kind of learning thing. I just would like this to happen to spite the person who told me, another child in fourth grade who told me I shouldn't be reading these books because they were for younger kids. And I was like, well, I'm doing extra reading because I like it. So back off. Anyone who tells you that you are reading age-inappropriate material, whether that is too young or too old, can just go ahead and leave. I, I remember distinctly when I was in middle school, um, they, they, we had like one, it was, it was like we were too old for reading groups, but for some reason, like the teacher decided that like we were going to split off into several groups and read different books. And we got to pick which book we wanted. And I thought, I forget what the book was, but it sounded really interesting to me. So I picked it and the teacher like pulled me aside and was like, this is the easy book. Like you, you should be in, in, I, I know I do actually remember she said you should be reading Ender's Game because that's the most difficult book that we've selected. And that's good for your reading level. And I remember looking at her like, I read Ender's Game like five years ago. I've already read the book. Like I, let me read this one that sounds interesting. I don't care if it's the easiest book to read. This was, I remember especially when we were like 13, like we were old, we were like, old enough that like we didn't have like reading levels anymore really um but yeah no I mean you should read what books interest you not what books are challenging you know that's a silly concept no matter how old you are I think I had to read Ender's Game in like a sophomore year English class and I was like this feels like this is for slightly younger kids and Ender's Game is odd because like I feel like it's it's the writing style is very simple, but I think there's enough adult-ish themes that I think you could enjoy it at most most ages. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what's the next book you got there? Hey, it was your turn next? Oh well, okay. I can I can definitely talk one. Uh, you were just holding it up. I thought you were you're trying to to. Nah, this was comfortable out. to hold it while we wait. That's fair. Um, I don't have like a great pitch for this one, but I wanted to call out one of my favorite books from when I was a kid. Um, did you ever read We're Going on a Bear Hunt? I think I have. It's like still a fairly popular picture book, I think. I've like seen it in, you know, stores, um, just like when I go out. Um, I occasionally leave my house. Um, but it's- I didn't know you I were capable of that. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's weird. Um, you know, I feel like it's one of those things that like, it is such a brief picture book. The only thing that it's, it's, it's one of those atmospheric books, like in, in many ways, similar, I think to cloudy with a chance of meatballs, which is like, not really about telling a coherent story all the way through and more just like enveloping you in the adventure. Um, it's just about this family who, as the title suggests, goes out on a bear hunt. 
Um, we don't know what they're going to do with the bear. They just say, hey, keep repeating, we're going to catch a big one. So I don't know if they're going to kill it. It's not really clear. And by the end, they see a bear and they run away screaming in fear. Um, <laughs> but the whole story is about them just traveling like through the woods and through the plains and through the swamp, just going as a family to go find the bear. Um, and I feel like kind of similar to Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I feel like there is potential there for taking that very loose plot and turning it into kind of a fun adventure. Like I think the idea of a family going off together, like just doing an activity, I think to me as a kid was just appealing, like that there were these, it was like, and it was like a full full family, like mom, dad, like three kids of varying ages and a baby, like all go, going off to have fun. Um, so I, I feel like there, there is something there. Um, I don't know what they would be trying to get the bear for, but I feel like there's lots of fantasy type reasons why you might need to track down a bear. Um, I don't know, maybe this is some kind of like, is it like a fantasy situation where the bear, you know, holds some mysteries to protect the land or something, or maybe there's a revenge mission the bear is terrorizing the town and they have to go get it but they discover that the bear is actually friendly and talking and voiced by sean mendez <laughs> i don't know i i like I, said, I don't really have a good solid pitch for it but it's just it's one of my favorites as a kid and if we're you know if we're talking we're, we're digging into these picture books for for uh books uh, for a movie or or uh or tv show adaptations i think i think going on bear hunt uh, is a is a is a good place to to start with that. All right, now tell me what book you're you're holding out. So it turns out this one did get a short show back in the '90s before we were born. Um, but did you read any of Richard Scarry's books? No, I don't think so. So they're very simple. I pulled one out that doesn't have a lot going on. They're actually just kind of. They're pages of illustrations about the topic. So I have a dictionary one. This is cars, cars and trucks and things that go. Aww. And there's just little things like, look, there's Mistress Mouse again. This time she's towing a truck. Hi there, Goldberg, wherever you are, because there's, I think, a hidden ladybug everywhere. Wait, um, I think this is starting so to ring a bell. I think this is ringing a bell. It did get a short series. So it's not, so I'm, it's not a new pitch. However, I think this would be a really cute thing for one of those like Disney plus shorts, like in a cute watercolor yeah. and like just short educational thing. No, I, I think that does sound very sweet. I think, I mean, I think they looking, looking at that animation style, it's like, so, I mean, now the, well, now it's not animated, but it's, it's a book, but like the, the illustrations uh, are these fun, bright primary colors. I feel mm -hmm. like relatively simple animation i think that could look just very charming and sweet i i like that a lot so that was one of my cute ones i just Aww. think it would be a good reboot for animation reboot. i would just reboot. um i can tell how much i read these books because this was just something you could pick up and flip through until you fell asleep because there's nothing really going on um the spine is definitely a little broken <laughs> Oh, all of my children's books have like bite marks in the edges from me just like gnawing on them as a child. Um, mine are mine are in terrible condition. Um, since uh, since that one was a partial one, I will give my 
I would not like to have this to happen in current modern media because I think it would be done terribly. By God, do I wish it existed somewhere? Um, a, a similar like bright color, watercolor, pencil, pencil lined thing of Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, that would be really sweet. But oh, you know they would make it Diary of a Wimpy Kid style, weird CG animation. Probably, yeah. I kind of... Or yeah. Garfield. So I'm like, I don't... It, it's one of those things where, like, if someone was going to do it and do it well, I'd love it, but I'm so scared of it being butchered. At the very least, let's be thankful that it passed through the late 90s, early 2000s unscathed because it would have been all live action except for Hobbes, who would have been a CGI monstrosity. Every and time it, we talk about cats and CGI, I still have the Lion King stuck in my head and also Cats the movie. I was going to say, at least not Cats the movie. That's that's the really bad one that you don't want to be thinking about uh, with with that. Um, oof, I don't, I don't like that. Um, but you know, you know what I I speak a little bit speaking of reboots. The next one I wanted to I wanted to bring up. I'm asking this question even though I'm fairly certain I know the answer. Did you ever read Rascal as a kid? I don't think I've even heard of that. So I I feel I I thought it was such a big thing, but talking to a handful of people over the years has taught me that it was not as big a thing as I thought it was. Um, Rascal kind of belongs in that genre of children's books about children bonding with animals with sad endings um you know like charlotte's web the yearling uh old yeller um i i probably a few more that i'm i'm completely forgetting but yeah the the bonding with animal that doesn't end well um however in this one at least mild spoiler alert the animal doesn't die the animal just is returned to nature where they belong um, but I think you'd like this, Katie, because it's a raccoon. That a boy is a animal. Yes, they they it's he lives off kind of on the frontier, but like it's enough of a town that it's not like he lives like in the woods in like Laura Ingalls Wilder days. Um, but he he bonds with a raccoon and they have rollicking adventures together. Um, and part of the reason I know that this could work as an animated series is because it was apparently a very popular anime in Japan, I believe in the 70s. Um, Why yeah. are more of these American children books so far that we talked about been turned into Japanese animes? I, I don't know, but it, it does have the uh, possibly not so great legacy of being responsible for the introduction of feral raccoons into Japan, which apparently is a nuisance that continues to this day, um, because a lot of little Japanese children saw the anime of Rascal and were like, I want a baby raccoon. And then they imported baby raccoons from North America. Spoiler alert, as the book teaches you, uh, raccoons are not really good domesticated pets. They make a mess and they are wild animals. You really can't train them to be dogs or cats. Um, so they ended up getting tossed out onto the streets and now they have Japan, which should not have raccoons, has raccoons. Um, but in America, we don't have to worry about that being a problem because we already have raccoons. So, you know, what could go wrong? Um, but I, I think I, I think we're sort of due for that kind of pastoral, innocent story. I think it's been a long time since animation in America has sort of gone to that route. Um, and I think it would be very sweet to see. I think just a a story of a boy and his raccoon. I feel like you could you could age it down because I 
think it's probably one of those things that won't hold the attention of today's, you know, preteen crowd. Um, but I, I think that would be a very sweet, even like a preschool series I could see just about Rascal getting into, you know, misadventures. You know, he's like a regular raccoon, like not anthropomorphized at all in the, in the book, but like, I could see them making him talk, you know, maybe, maybe like a Clifford situation where like the boy, uh, who's Sterling, I think is the name of the boy in the book. Let me look that up to confirm. Yes. The boy's name is Sterling North. Um, but I feel like you could have him not be able to understand his pet rascal when he's like with his friends, but like rascal maybe has like, you know, animal buddies, like a, a talking sparrow or a deer. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just naming cute animals right now, but I think that would be sweet. Like, I don't know. I, I just, I feel like I haven't seen that kind of story in a little while. I think we've sort of urbanized animation. Um, and I, you know, there's good reason we can go into the history of how that happened and why, and why it's mostly because of Sesame Street and the great impact that's had. Um, but I think as a result, you know, a lot of like preschool shows, especially I feel like are very based in city life. And I don't know, I kind of just miss the color palette of getting to see the forest. I mean, I've talked to no end about how much I love over the garden wall, but like imagine that kind of color palette that like beautiful autumnal color palette with a boy's rollicking misadventures with a raccoon. Like, I think that'd be really sweet. I mean, I think there's just an innocence to that. That would be very nice in this very jaded atmosphere we have right now. Is it because you miss your rollicking adventures with a raccoon? And by raccoon, I mean me. Yes, I do miss my rollicking <laughs> adventures with you, my raccoon. You. Uh, I think there was one time we were walking on a college campus and there was just a like, slightly feral raccoon. Um, all raccoons are a little feral. Um, yeah, right. Definition. There is there a non-feral raccoon? <laughs> uh, occasionally. Um, but there was one that was just a little grumpy and sitting in the trash can as we walked directly past I, it. And it just that really, really fat down. one. Yeah. That, that was the one that was like really, really fat raccoon. I do remember that. And I did. There was a lot of wildlife on our college him. campus. Remember all, all the skunks? skunks? Why were there so many skunks? Because <laughs> we lived on a college campus, probably. Skunks, rabbits, squirrels. That's all we had. And the occasional raccoon. Raccoon. Yeah. Don't worry, they they were more And the bird sanctuary that was right by our dorm where when they were nesting, they would attempt to attack you. <laughs> I never got attacked by by the birds, thankfully. That's but... shocking for your luck. I know, I, I that is true. Honestly, given my history, you really would expect that I would have and been sweet. There were much. also the goslings and I always wanted to take one, but the geese were scary that time of year. I, Along with I, the Canada goose jackets we always saw, those were also scary. The, the the Canada geese terrified me to no end. I really just I liked the uh I liked the prepubescent uh goslings, the one that were, the ones that were like right on the edge of being full Canada geese, but they were like just like still a little bit fuzzy and a little bit awkward looking. Those were my favorites. I just I loved that time of year when we had the weird teenage geese. But we've gotten very off track here. Katie, do do you have a, a final uh, beloved children's book that you would like mm. to bring to the animated world? I kind of ran out here. Oh, well, that's all for the best because I've more or less also run out. Um, the the only other real like strong book childhood book of mine uh, was uh, Davy Crockett storybook. But I, 
I don't know. I feel like there's probably something problematic about D Davy Crockett that like I don't know about and I don't wish to explore deeply that if I go down that rabbit hole, I will learn why there hasn't been a Davy Crockett animated series. I know it was a big thing like live action. They had movies uh, in the uh, like Disney movies in like the 50s and 60s and they still had the Davy Crockett canoes at Disneyland. Um, but like the books that I read, he like was like kind of like a Paul Bunyan style folk hero where he did crazy things like uh, strangle Haley's Comet. Um, you know, stuff like that, like normal things that your average frontiersman would do. Um, but he had a pet bear and I like that he had a pet bear. Um, maybe I just read a lot of books about bears. I don't know. I mean, between going on a bear hunt, Davy Crockett and the Berenstein Bears, I guess I just, I don't know, did that a lot. Um, anywho, that's not really neither here nor there. Um, this has been really fun. It's been fun thinking about about my childhood childhood favorites. Um, and I hope that, you know, with these these great animated shows uh, actually come to pass because I think we have some great ideas here. And for me, especially Phantom Tollbooth. Honestly, I'm like dying on that hill. I think that'll be a really cute animated series. And well, anyway. get writing. Pitch it. I think actually, I think it did pass into the public domain recently. Let me let me check on that real quick because I'm pretty sure. It is public domain. That sounds correct. Um, maybe not though, because it's not that old. Uh, Phantom Toll Booth, public domain. Let's see. Um, yeah, it passed into the public domain in 2017. I was gonna um, say it might have been in that for those first two batches. Yeah, 2018. Reopen public domain. Um, you got oh, your new. I think only in the EU. I think that was one. Remember that was one of those things um where like all right say so you'll be moving to europe writing your phantom <laughs> tollbooth adaptation in france they've got a burgeoning animation industry anyway heck so. yeah I, I honestly like if cartoon saloon is like interested in something like my father's dragon uh phantom tollbooth is a lot of the same energy now um, if you write the script and sell it to a company in the eu is that legal I think as long as the one financing it is covered by the laws, it's fine. I mean, it's just fan fiction if I'm just writing it on my computer. Once I sell it and it's purchased, that's the only point at which it passes into any kind of legal jurisdiction. So as long as that legal jurisdiction is somewhere where it's in the public domain, I think I'm good. All right, you got your evening projects now. Oh boy, stop giving me more projects. We're gonna, we're gonna go before Katie puts me on the hook for more work. <laughs> Well, <laughs> thank you all so much for joining us for this episode of Cartoon Time Machine. I'm Scarlett. I'm Katie. And I'm just trying to help. We're your animates, and we will see you next time.